Good morning. Good morning to our radio listeners. Likewise, we hope everybody on T102 enjoys the service this morning, and we thank them for being with us. A few announcements before we start this morning. The rose on the altar is in honor of Robert and Mary Schreyer's 60th wedding anniversary. That will occur here on Thursday of this week. So if you see Robert, see Mary, give them a thumbs up and say way to go. They, yeah, they should both get credit. <laughs> the blue jug over here on the steps will be here for two more weeks, and this is to support the flooding and the flood victims in Louisiana, which has had the torrential rains of one and two feet of water and the flooding that's occurred in Louisiana to help them rebuild. Also today, out in the parking lot, if you didn't notice, and I don't know which side of the church you came in on, today is the fall kickoff day for school. So out there, there will be a big celebration following church that will have pony rides, a bouncy house, face painting, cookies, coffee. I don't know that all of you are going to ride the ponies, and I don't know if you're all going to go in the bouncy house, but you can at least have cookies or coffee, and uh, the uh, young kids will take care of the rest, I believe. Next Sunday kicks off the start of the Sunday school season, so make sure parents, grandparents, you inform your children that next Sunday is the beginning of uh, Sunday school for this year. Also, next Saturday is the service project for our neighbor across the road. Uh, we need a few more people to help out, so they need you to sign the clipboard. It's laying right up here in the front pew. If you have any questions, just contact Pastor Joel or Tori, and they can give you more information about that. I believe that concludes all of my announcements. Okay, if you would please, please rise and join me in the call to worship. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your power. All your works praise you, Lord, and your faithful servants bless you. And that they make known the glory of your kingdom, and speak of your power. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, Remain standing now. Grab your hymnals, the blue hymnals. Hymn number 31, Great is the Lord.
this time the children can come forward for the children's chat with Shelby. And while you're standing, take a moment or two here to greet your neighbor and wish them a nice day. Good morning. How are you all? Can you guys pass those back to somebody who doesn't have one? Who doesn't have one? Who doesn't have a card? Oh. Today we're going to talk about how Jesus loves us. And have you guys ever at home or at school shared something with someone, whether it's your crayons, your pictures, uh, maybe a puzzle or a toy. You guys shared something with another person? Yeah? No? Anybody shared something? (laughs) Okay. Well, we eventually share something of ours that we dearly love with somebody else, whether it be a toy or crayons or something. Have you guys ever shared Jesus with somebody else? Yeah, some of you guys have. I have given you guys a card, and on the card, what does it say? Jesus loves you. Because Jesus loves each and every single one of you guys. But what I'm going to ask you to do is you see all them people out there is I want you guys to take a couple, take one minute or a couple seconds and go give your card to somebody out there, or there'd be way in the back or over here or up in the front. You guys can go share your card real quick with somebody else. You can give, or back here. There's tons of people back here, too. You want to, oop, you want to get You want to share your card with me? Oh, thank you. Got a couple of them. You're coming up. Oh. You guys did such a good job. Thank you for sharing Jesus with somebody else today. You know what? God is starting really good works in each and every one of you. And when you guys accept Jesus into your heart, that's where it all begins. And it all your life, keep sharing Jesus with somebody else. And until he comes, 
again. You guys are going to be sharing Jesus all your life. And that's the good works that Jesus has made in you and has started in you. So if you guys want to fold your hands and bow your hearts. Dear Jesus, we so thank you for the courage that these kids have had today, this morning, to share your word and to share your love with somebody that they don't know, or maybe somebody that they did know. Lord, we continue to pray for them this upcoming week. Lord, maybe they might share Jesus with one of their friends this week. We pray that you bless them, bless their lives. In your son's name, Jesus, amen. Shelby, and thank you all of you wonderful children. It's great to see everyone up here this morning. Definitely tell there's a fall kickoff today with all these, all these children here. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, I just want to um, just, just remind you, I'm sure it doesn't need reminding, but today being September 11th is the 15th anniversary of the, the terrorist attacks that happened in New York City and Washington, D.C. And so as we go to the Lord in prayer, let's lift up those families that are still being affected by that uh, tragedy and, and who, are, who did not get to uh, have their loved ones come home to them that evening. Let's pray. Father... Uh, I know for for me and and for many here that 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 day, September 11, 2001, seemed like just yesterday. Um, We remember exactly where we were, exactly what was happening. Uh, The the, the events of that day, Lord, are are burned into our memories for for many of us. Um, And so, Lord, as we remember that today, that tragic event, uh, we lift up those who were directly impacted by it, Um, those whose, whose loved ones did not get to come home that day from work, um, from their from their trip, uh, we pray, Lord, that you would continue to bring comfort and peace to those families. Lord, we thank you for the many brave men and women who who risked their lives and many lost their lives in order to help those who were in need that day. Remember the first responders, the firemen, the police officers, um, the people who who just rushed into harm's way in order to help those who were in need. We are grateful for their sacrifice. Um, and for their their decision to put others before themselves. And I pray, Lord, that as as we remember them today, we would be able to have that same sort of attitude and sacrificial giving. And Lord, we, we realize that that their sacrifice um, made a difference for many people. We continue to hear stories today about about lives that were saved because of the brave actions of men and women who went in there. And Lord, we're reminded also of the sacrifice that you made for us. Lord, that you put yourself in harm's way. In fact, you, you died on the cross for us so that we could be saved. And Lord, we thank you for that sacrificial love as well. So as we remember uh, the anniversary of, of those terrorist attacks, Lord, help us to, to emulate that kind of love, that kind of sacrificial love in our own lives, and remember those who were lost on that day. Lord, we also know and are aware that there's many prayer requests and concerns in this church and in this community, um, people who are carrying burdens, uh, many who are, who are sick and, and in need of healing, uh, families who lost loved ones of their own recently. We pray for peace and comfort for them. And Lord, ultimately we pray that your spirit would be present um, with these people, that, that whatever circumstances they face, whatever trials that they are going through, that they would be able to trust in your, in your name. And, and be able to rely on you for the strength that they need each and every day. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm delighted to announce, as you can all see, that the choir is back with us this morning. They will be uh, sharing a new song uh, during our offering, and so I invite them to, to join us and lead us in song, and I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time.
you may be seated. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In, my, in all my prayers for all of you, I will always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have, had, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus, through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. That is the reading for you this morning. Let's stand and let's sing Blessed Be Your Name by Matt Redman. The words are in your bulletin.
may be seated. Well, it's good to be back with you this morning. Uh, I was had a, had a busy end of the week here on Thursday night. I got to uh, had the privilege of of doing a wedding here in, in New Knoxville, and then Friday I got up and went back to Huntington to do a wedding uh, back back at the, my old church that I had committed to before before things happened, and I ended up here. So had a had a busy couple days, but I'm glad to be back with you and, and to be uh, sharing the message with you this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we are um, we are here to worship you this morning. Uh, Lord, worship is 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 everything, Lord, that we do here. Um, we often think of it in a narrow focus, but it involves our the songs that we sing, the prayers that we lift up to you, the the scripture we hear read, um, and the and and the words that are preached. And so, uh, help us now to continue our worship of you as we as we hear your word and what it may have in store for us. I pray that you would give. Give me words to speak, um, the message that you have for us this morning, and, uh, and pray that you would open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. Uh, before I jump right into the text, I do want to uh, just share something with you. Uh, I, hope, I hope all of you, or most of you, got um, one of these other booklets along with your bulletin today. It says Philippians on the front, finding contentment in every circumstance. This morning, uh, we're going to be beginning to uh, look at the book of Philippians together. We're going to start chapter 1, verse 1, and work our way through the book of Philippians over the next uh, couple months. And so uh, what we have here for you is... Uh, just a little, I guess you can call it a study guide. I didn't know what else to call it, but it has all the scripture readings for each week um, in the date of the sermon uh, written out for you, just like it normally is in the bulletin, and a place to uh, take notes, uh, doodle if that's your thing, or uh, do whatever you need to do to, to hopefully remember some of the things that we talk about over the next couple months. I know many of you already do that in your bulletin in that space, and that's great, uh, and you can continue to do that if you'd like, uh, but we thought this book would be a great way to keep all of the all of your notes, all of your scripture references uh, for the entire book of Philippians in one place. So uh, if you didn't get one of these, I encourage you to pick one up on your way out today, tuck it in your Bible, uh, put it somewhere that you'll remember it and, and bring it back with you so that as we preach through the book of Philippians and look at, the, look at it together and see what God has in store for us here in First Church, uh, you can keep, uh, you know, keep track of that and have it in one place. So I hope that's a helpful thing for you. I know many of you already do that, so hopefully that'll be a tool that you can use. So they are, I know, by the bulletins at each one of the doors. So grab one on your way out if you didn't get one today. Uh, as I mentioned, we're going to be starting to look at the book of Philippians together, uh, and it's going to be... Um, going to be a long course here. Uh, it'll take us through most of the fall, uh, but I'm excited about it. I think this is a great way to really dig into God's Word together. As I mentioned, when I first came here, I wanted to hit some highlights, I guess you could say, and, and focus on some passages that are particularly meaningful to me, and I hope that you were... Um, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope that you learned something and were able to learn a little bit about me and, and kind of where I come from uh, through that process. Uh, but now I, I want to take a look at the book of Philippians and, and really just work through a book of the Bible together. I think there's a lot of advantages to doing that. Um, you get the consistency and you get to see, uh, in this case, where the Apostle Paul and where the Holy Spirit was directing the Apostle Paul to go. And, and you see that development kind of take place over the course of the book. So instead of hopping back and forth to different passages, uh, we can really learn a lot by just focusing on one book of the Bible and working our way through it. And so that's what I want to do with you over the next several weeks. Uh, this letter here um, is, is 
excuse me, this book is a letter that Paul wrote to a church. Um, and if you're interested, actually, in this book, the first page, there's a little introduction, a little background to the book of Philippians and, and all of that. Um, so feel free to take a look at that uh, in your own time. But that gives you a little background about where Paul was coming from and, and the church that he was writing to. Uh, but this is one of Paul's, I guess you can say, favorite churches. I don't know if pastors are allowed to have favorite churches, um, but that's you kind of pick up on that from this letter. It's a very positive letter. It's very encouraging in, in nature. If you were to read through other letters of Paul's, like Galatians or 1 Corinthians, uh, sometimes he gets a little harsh with them. You know, there were some things that, that needed to be addressed and needed to be dealt with, and so Paul uh, had to write a letter to them in order to address those concerns. Uh, in Philippians, we see a, a different kind of tone. It's much more positive and encouraging, and we'll see that coming out here in these very opening verses. Um, in the, as I mentioned, that this is a letter that Paul wrote, and it's important to recognize that. You know, letters are different than gospels, um, different than poetry like the Psalms or, or the prophets. You know, each book of the Bible has a has a unique genre or literature, and that helps us to understand uh, how to interpret it and how to how to get the most out of out of our reading of it. The letter obviously was a communication between two groups of people, and it's and it's sometimes easy to forget that that this book that we now call Philippians um, it began as a letter from one person, Paul, you know, the pastor of this church in a sense, to a church in Philippi. And so we need to remember that, that this is a communication between two people. He was encouraging them, and, and he's trying to uh, encourage them in their faith. Uh, sometimes we forget that, that the Bible came out of real circumstances and real historical settings like that. Uh, I know if, without even really thinking about it, sometimes we, we imagine that the Bible just kind of fell out of the sky one day in, in the way that it is. Uh, but, but God used uh, many different authors over, over generations, thousand years to write what we have as the Bible, and it's all inspired and, and comes together by the working of God's Holy Spirit. And so this is a real letter to a real real church with real people and real circumstances. And I thank God for that because, you know, at First Church, we're a real church in a real place with real people. And so, you know, we can learn from that and learn from these words of encouragement that Paul has for, for Philippi. Uh, if you're interested in, in kind of Paul's background, uh, he first went to Philippi, and we see that recorded in Acts chapter 16. Um, he kind of gets a, a roundabout way and, and ends up in Philippi. He had planned to go somewhere else, but God's Spirit directed him there instead. And, and Paul planted a church there. You know, through his preaching, God, God brought several people to, to salvation. We see accounts of Lydia, who was a wealthy uh, owner, and it many, the church ended up meeting in her house after Paul and Silas were arrested. Uh, and thrown in jail. Uh, there's this miraculous moment where, where their chains fall off and they're freed and, the, and, and they get a chance to share the gospel with the jailer. And him and his entire household are saved as well. And so that was the beginning of the church in Philippi. After, and after Paul went on to other places, uh, they continued to support, support Paul, which is why they had a special place in Paul's heart. And we'll see that coming out in these opening verses of Philippians. There's a couple major themes that, that develop here in, in these first opening verses that, that carry on throughout the letter. And so I want to point them out to you before we get started. The first is the idea of joy. Paul writes here in the beginning that, that when he prays for the Philippian church, when he prays for the people and remembers them, he does so with joy. And joy will continue to pop up over and over again as we study the book together. 
And joy um, is different than happiness, right? You guys can probably attest that happiness comes and goes based on our circumstances, right? We may be happy one day and then sad the next because something changed in our life, right? You got bad news, um, you're sick, you know, you lost your job. Those are, those are things that will affect our happiness, right? Because happiness is based in our circumstances. But as we'll see as we study the book of Philippians together, that, that when Paul talks about joy, he's not talking about just our mood or our, our happiness that may come and go. But it's the, but it's the, the, the joy that comes not because of our circumstances, but in spite of our circumstances and the confidence that we have in the Lord. Our joy is not dictated by what happens day to day or moment to moment, but we can have joy and contentment no matter what circumstances we face because of our confidence in the Lord. And we'll see that theme developing as we study the book of Philippians together. Uh, the other theme that, that comes out in these opening verses that we'll study over the next several weeks is the idea of being united in the gospel. That as believers, as the church, uh, we shouldn't be um, bickering and fighting and, and have disunity, but we should come together on the one thing that we all have in common, and that's our, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That's the one thing that we all have in common. Uh, Nicky Gumbel, who's a, who has a, he's a pastor in England, um, and he is the ter- teacher of a, of a curriculum called the Alpha Course. It's a great, great course. We used it at my last church. And it talks a lot about the basics of the Christian faith, what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what it means to be the church. And, and it's meant to be an introduction to the faith for nonbelievers. But in the section that he talks about the church, he talks about how all of our denominations and everything that we have in the world today um, that that we're kind of divided in a sense. And we, we sometimes bicker and fight over the little things, right? The little details that maybe don't matter much in the long run, but we make a mountain out of a molehill and, and make a big deal about it. Uh, he says that all these denominations that we have, we may have our differences and some of them are good. Some of them are maybe not so good. But he said the one thing that we all have in common as Christians, no matter what church you go to, no matter what denomination you're a part of, the one thing that we all have in common is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is that one thing is infinitely greater than anything else that could possibly separate us. And so so as we as believers um, need to be united in the gospel, united in our faith in Jesus Christ and not let those maybe those little details, the little things that we sometimes fight over. We don't want to let those things separate us and get in the way of our unity. And our unity, as I mentioned, is only Christian if it's founded in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. We can be united around a lot of different things. Right. What what, you know, style of music we have, what kind of preaching takes place or, you know, the, the what happens during the service. We can all unite around little details and things like that. But if we if that's our, our source of our unity, it's not going to last very long because eventually something will come up. Something will happen that will uh, cause discord. But if our unity is in the Lord and if it's in Jesus, then then that thing is eternal. Right, that will last. That's a firm foundation that we can build on. Then, when we have maybe disagreements about certain things, um, when when that those sorts of arguments come our way, um, it won't won't tear us down because if our unity is in the Lord, then we will be able to stand strong no matter what we face. So those are a couple themes that will that will pop up here in these opening verses, but will also continue to pop up as we study Philippians together. So I wanted you to be aware of those and and be looking out for them as we look at at these passages together. So let's take a look um, at the beginning of Philippians. You just heard Danielle read that for you, so I'm not going to read it again, but you see it's the opening section of the letter. And, and 
I don't know about you. I know when I first, you know, became a Christian, and was reading the Bible. Um, you see all these letters in the New Testament, and they all start in a very similar way. You know, Paul or Peter or James to the churches, greetings, all this stuff. And you think, oh, it's just a greeting. There's probably not a whole lot of important stuff going on in there, right? I'll just kind of skim over it, skip over, it, and get to the real, the real meat of the the book here. Uh, but I want to encourage you that that we do have a lot that we can learn from these sections, these opening statements in these letters, not just Philippians, but the other ones as well. Second uh, Timothy 3.16 teaches us that all scripture is God breathed, right? It's all inspired by the Lord and it's useful for teaching and correcting and rebuking and training in righteousness. And, you know, that includes the greetings of the letters. That includes those verses that sometimes make us uncomfortable and we don't know what to do with. Um, so I just want to encourage you that those those words that open up these letters are very important for us and we don't want to just skim over them or skip over them um, but they're very we can learn a lot from them uh, so these opening verses for instance paul and timothy they call themselves servants of christ some of your bible some of your translations may say even slaves uh, the word that paul uses there probably meant more slaves in the traditional sense that we think of them not not servants like hired work but but someone who was under the authority and under the control of someone else unfortunately you know, that has a, a very dark and, and uh, sad history in our own country, but it was also reality in the world that Paul lived in as well uh, of, of slaves and, and servitude like that. Um, and so in a, in a sense, what Paul is doing is he's evoking this image that that he is he's not doing this ministry. He's not doing this work under his own authority. Right. He's not out there just for the fun of it. He's not out there for his own ba- his own gain or his own benefit. But he's doing this as a servant, as a slave of the Lord, as, as one who is, who is doing, in a sense, his master's bidding. Right? He's doing it because God has compelled him to work. God has, has put a calling and a, um, yeah, a calling on his life. And so he is not doing it for his own gain or his own benefit, but he's doing it for the Lord. And, and servant of God was a title that you see throughout the Old Testament applied to people like Moses or the prophets, right? As a title, in a sense, kind of an honor to be considered a slave or a servant of the Lord, um, because you were not—you were not doing it for your own benefit, but you were—you were doing what you were doing for the Lord. In a sense, you were an instrument to carry out His will. You know, God is using Paul and Timothy in order to reach out to many people, including the church in Philippi, and to be honest, including us today. Right? We're still reading these words that God put. Uh, God used through Paul uh, in writing this letter, 2,000 years later, we're still reading them and using them today for our own benefit. And God is continuing to work through these words. Uh, and Paul also, in, in calling himself a servant or a slave, he's demonstrating humility that he will eventually ask the Philippians to demonstrate as well in chapter 2, and we'll get to that. But Paul is setting an example, right? Paul could have used his authority as as God's you know, messenger, as his, you know, the Apostle Paul, as we think of him today. You know, God could have used, or excuse me, Paul could have used his authority in a worldly sense to kind of lord it over the church, right? Do what I say because of who I am, right? I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a Pharisee. I was righteous under the law, right? He says, you know, he could have used that authority to impress or to get his way, but instead he's, he's, used, he's under the authority of Christ as a servant of Christ. It's the authority not of his own, but of his master. So Paul is writing as a servant, as a slave of Christ, but he's also directing this letter to all the saints. I think it's important for us to, to notice here because 
we sometimes think of, we read our Bible and we think, oh, I couldn't possibly do that, right? I'm just, I'm just a regular old Christian, right? I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. Um, I don't work in the church. You know, I can't possibly live up to these kinds of things. But, but Paul makes it very clear just from the, the salutation of this letter that he's speaking to all the saints, not just the leaders in the church. He does address the leaders, right? But he addresses this letter first and foremost to all the saints who are in Jesus Christ. And that includes all of us, all of us who are believers, all of us who profess faith in the Lord are his saints, are his holy people. Uh, saints, we often, you know, think of that word, you know, like with, for people like Mother Teresa, who is just officially, you know, canonized by the Catholic Church uh, this week. Uh, we think of people like her, like they are saints and we are not. But the way, the, old, the way that the New Testament uses that word, saints refers to all believers. All of us are holy. All of us are set apart for the Lord. And that is um, not unique or special just to certain people, but it's for all of us. Uh, the word saint or holy is the, is the idea of being set apart for a special purpose, right? When we put our faith in the Lord, God sets us apart for a special purpose, each one of us, not just pastors or others, but all of us. It's a title meant for the entire church. And what it does is that it brings us together. Again, remember I said unity would be an important theme in this book, and we see it coming out right here, that, that Paul is addressing everyone In a sense, what it does is it brings us together. It breaks down the barriers that sometimes divide us as a church, right, Um, between, you know, elders and laity or deacons and pastor or whatever the divide may be, right? We sometimes create those for ourselves. But what Paul is saying is, is all the saints. We're all in this together. You know, we all have a role to play. We all have a purpose here. Um, and, and just because you are a quote unquote regular Christian doesn't mean you don't have a purpose or, or a, or something to contribute. But it's a letter that's addressed to all of us today. So Paul, after this greeting, he goes on to offer really kind of two prayers. Really one prayer, I guess you could say, but it's kind of divided into two parts. And the first part is a prayer of thanks. He goes on and begins to pray and, and say that, um, he remembers the Philippians in his prayers and he's thankful for them. And he prays with joy when he thinks of them. Remember, joy is a key theme that runs throughout Philippians and it begins here. I mentioned that joy is not the result of our, of our comfortable circumstances, but it's seeing the gospel at work in and through our circumstances. That's where our joy truly comes from. Not based on what we're doing or, or the circumstances we find ourselves in, but based on on God working in our lives and God being present and active no matter what our circumstances are. Happiness is dependent on what we're going through, but joy transcends our circumstances. Paul is joyful, he says here, because he sees God at work in and through the Philippians in their circumstances as well as his own. He's joyful for two reasons. One is that the Philippians have chosen to partner with him in ministry uses this word, the, the word partnership is the same word that we get fellowship from. It's a sense of they're, they're, they've chosen to join themselves with Paul in his missionary journeys, right? Paul had, had moved on from Philippi. He was no longer with them. He had gone to other cities and planted other churches, but they continue to support him uh, both emotionally and with practical support as well. Um, we, you see evidence in the New Testament from uh, Acts and, and I think the book of Philippians, or excuse me, Thessalon- Thessalonians, uh, that Paul 
is thankful for the support that the Philippians gave financially to his ministry, uh, but also for that emotional and spiritual support that he received from them. You know, it makes sense to me. I remember, you know, my time at at Huntington very fondly. You know, I was there for six and a half years as an associate pastor, and I had a lot of friendships and, and relationships that were that came out of my ministry at that church. As I mentioned, I was able to, to go home for a couple days uh, this weekend in order to do a wedding. And while I was there, I got to visit with some of these families that I had made a strong connection with. And it was really good to see them. And it brought joy to me to see, you know, see them again. Um, and so, so when Paul writes here about the joy and how he remembers them fondly and holds the Philippians in his heart, you know, it makes sense that, that you would have, he would have that sort of connection with the Philippian church. Um, and, and I'm sure as, as I grow, uh, as I spend more time here, you know, more than just a month and a half, but I've already started to form connections with you here in First Church, and I'm sure as time goes on, those same sorts of bonds will form, form with you, and I'm really looking forward and excited uh, to see how that, how that plays out during my time here. Um, they loved Paul, the Philippian church did. They loved him, but they also did something about it, right? They didn't just say, oh, I'll pray for you, right? That's a, that's a favorite thing that we Christians do, right? We hear something is happening, we hear something's going on in someone else's life, and we, we say, I'll pray for you, right? And, and some of you are very faithful and do go home and pray, and that's a wonderful thing. Some of us maybe forget, right? <laughs> it slips our mind, we don't remember to pray for that thing. Um, and, I, and prayer is a great support, but they also, in a sense, put their money where their mouth was, and they actually did something about it. They supported him financially, as well, uh, James chapter two talks about how um, how we need to, in a sense, live out our faith. You know, live out our love for each other. Um, it's not enough just to say we're going to do things, but we actually want to do things as well. James two, beginning verse fourteen, says, "What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and in daily food." If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You see, that's, that's true faith, is being lived out and played out in your actions and in the way you live your life. And so... Um, Paul is grateful because the Philippian church was doing just that. They were, they were, they were, in a sense, they were demonstrating their love for Paul by supporting his ministry. And so he was joyful because of that consistent support from them. He was also joyful because of the confidence that he had that God would complete the good work that he began in them. See, the work that Paul's talking about is the work that God does in the life of the believer, right? When we put our faith in in the Lord, he, he begins to work in our lives and transform us from the inside out. Second Corinthians talks about how, how we are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. And God continues to work in our lives uh, from, from the day that we are saved till the day that we are with him in eternity. Uh, we're a work in progress, right? I think we can all... Attest, we can all testify to that, that we are a work in progress, right? That work continues to go, and, and we continue to struggle with sin. We continue to make mistakes. We continue to, to fall short of what God expects us to do, but we're a work in progress. God is continuing to work out our salvation, work out our, our sanctification each and every day. And Paul is confident that God will continue to work that out in the life of the Philippians, and, and he continues to 
excuse me, work it out in our own lives as well. Uh, there's, there's two kind of big theological terms that, that maybe you've heard of, maybe not, uh, justification and sanctification. Right? Justification is, is the, our standing before the Lord. When we put our faith in Christ, we are justified. Right? Our, our sins are forgiven, uh, and we are now free to uh, have a relationship with Christ because when God looks at us, he sees Christ's righteousness in our place. But sanctification is that process that takes a lifetime that we go through where God, through his Holy Spirit, works in our lives to bring us more and more and more to be like Christ. And that's sanctification, and that's an ongoing process. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's, he's joyful because he sees um, that, that work continuing to be done in the life of the Philippian church. By his grace, God enables us to live holy lives now that are evidence of the salvation that he freely gives us through Christ. Right, good works don't earn our salvation, but they are evidence of it. Right, if you have put your trust in Christ, people should be able to see the evidence of that in your own life. Right, in the next section, Paul will pray exactly that for the church in Philippi, that, that they would be able to um, grow in their love for each other and in their love for Christ, and, and that they would be able to live that out each and every day. The Philippians' participation in Paul's ministry Right, in a sense, it's evidence that God is at work in their lives. Paul sees how they contribute to his ministry and support him, and, and to him, that's evidence that God is continuing at work, to be at work in their lives. Paul held the Philippians in his heart because of their consistent support also, no matter what the circumstances. Right, Paul was in jail when he wrote this letter. He talks about being in chains, and that was a very literal statement for him. Right, That wasn't just a metaphor. He was actually being imprisoned and, and, and possibly in fear of his life. But they continued to support him. Right? They could have abandoned him and wrote him off as a failure, but they continued to support him through the difficult times. And that's why one of the reasons why Paul was so joyful and thankful for, their, for them. And finally, in this last section, after the prayer of thanks, he, he has this prayer of, of intercession. He begins not just to thank God for the Philippian church, but he begins to pray for the church as well. Paul prays that their love would increase in knowledge and depth of insight. The love that he's talking about here is the love that they have for each other. As brothers and sisters in Christ, right, we're called to love each other. Jesus tells his disciples, the world will be able to know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. Right? And so Paul is praying that their, their love for each other would grow and mature in knowledge and depth of insight. Knowledge in the sense of, of spiritual knowledge, right? Knowing God's will for their life and knowing, um, knowing those commands to love each other and to be there for each other. And so the knowledge is knowledge of the Lord and our relationship with Him. As we grow in that knowledge, our love for each other should increase, right? That practical support we offer each other out of our love for each other should increase as we increase in our knowledge of the Lord. As we grow in our relationship with Him, that that knowledge and that love that God has for us should overflow into the lives in our other in the lives of others in our relationships with them. Um, in depth of insight, it's it's referring to more of like a moral dimension, right? Not just knowledge, but how to actually apply it, what to actually do with the knowledge that we've been given. In other words, Paul prays that we would be able to know God's will, kind of in a general sense, what God's will is for us in our lives, but also how to live it out in everyday circumstances. And that's what the Philippian church is doing. They, they, they saw the love um, that they had for Paul, and they did something about it. They were able to support him practically. And so, so Paul prays that they would be able to continue to grow in that and continue to, to live that out every day, and not just for him, but for each other as well. 
I mentioned unity is a very important thing. And, and he prays. He's not just trying to, you know, muster up support for his ministry, but I believe he's praying that they would be able to encourage each other in that way as well. How to live out their love for each other in practical ways. Um, as I mentioned, I had two weddings this week, and uh, actually both weddings, uh, we used 1 Corinthians 13 as the scripture reading. And you're all, I know, more than familiar with that passage. I'm sure if you've been at, a, at any wedding, that's usually a passage that, that is read, and, and it's often called the love chapter. And you're familiar with it, you know, love is patient, love is kind, you know, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. And, and, and Paul, again, who's the author of that book, writes out this list of the characteristics of love. And, and there's something I noticed about that as I was preparing for the weddings and preparing a message to share with them. And it's that love is an action, not just an emotion. Right? Love, true love, plays itself out in the life of, of a believer, of, in, in their relationships, whether it's friendships or, or husband and wife, through their actions. Right? True love will be displayed by the way that they treat each other, the way that they act, the way that they support each other. Um, and the same is true for our love for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. If our love isn't being displayed through our actions, it's not real, true, genuine love. We need to show it to each other through the way that we live our lives. In a sense, love is wanting what's best, excuse me, wanting God's best for the other person, even if that's hard. Paul writes here in Philippians, right, that by, by growing in knowledge um, and depth of insight, they may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. Right? We often think of love just simply as allowing the other person to do whatever they want and being okay with it. But the love that God has for us and the love that we should have for each other is wanting God's best for the other person and trying to encourage them to be more and more like Christ in everything that they do. And so, so the love that we have for each other, the love that Paul desires that they have for each other, is a love that focuses on what's important and best and not, not one that's distracted by, by disunity or, or, or strife that may come. Uh, there, there is always the danger of, of being disunited, right, as a church. There's always something we could fight about, right? There's always something that could get in the way of our unity. But Paul desires that instead of focusing on those things, we, we, we focus on what's important and best, and that's to be pure and blameless in, in what God's best is for the other person. Uh, it talks about uh, so that we may be, bear the fruits of righteousness. And that's, again, evidence that Christ has impacted a person's life. In other words, Paul's prayer is that they would grow and mature in their faith, becoming more and more like Christ, especially in the way that they show love towards each other. Right? The fruit of righteousness that we see in each other's lives, you see in Galatians, you see the fruits of the Spirit, right? Those are evidence that God is at work in our lives when we see things like that um, in each other. And so Paul's prayer is that, that through their love for each other, they would be able to begin to see that fruit of righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit cropping up in their lives. So in these opening words, we, we, we see some practical lessons that come up. Uh, first of all, and this may seem obvious, but I feel like I need to say it, we need to pray for each other. As believers, right, we need to be willing to be praying for each other, and not just for physical needs, although that's great, you know, when someone's sick, we can be praying for them. When someone's going through a difficult time, we can be praying for them. But if we follow the example of Paul, we can also be praying for their spiritual growth, for their maturity. We can take the time to thank God and 
that you, they've, that he has put this other person in, in our life and, and thank him for that and be joyful about it. You know, sometimes we may pray, you know, begrudgingly <laughs> about certain things, but I believe that God wants us to pray joyfully and remember each other in prayer in that way. Also, uh, we see here an example of what it means to truly support someone in ministry. You know, a sign of our love for the gospel is how much we're willing to sacrifice for it. You know, if we truly love the gospel, if we truly believe in the gospel, we should be willing to do something about it in order to see it advanced, whether that's supporting missionaries, um, supporting the local church, or supporting each other in the various volunteer ways that we, we serve in, at First Church. You know, the majority of, the, of, of what goes on here is not done by, by paid staff, but, but what should be done is the volunteers, the people like you, using your gifts that God has given you and, and supporting each other to do that. And it's support that happens in good times and in bad, right? Paul was in jail, right? He was facing very difficult times, but, but the Philippians continued to support him, right? We may not always be successful by the world's standards, but God often uses those whom the world deems unusable, right? We see that over and over again throughout the Bible, right? God uses people who are murderers, adulterers, liars, and God used them for his glory and for his, to advance his kingdom. And God continues to do that today, right? None of us are perfect. None of us, if we felt like we had to be perfect to serve the Lord, none of us would qualify to do it. But God uses imperfect people all the time for his ministry. And, and in reality, ministry is not possible without the loving support of the saints, right? Paul realized that the only way that he was able to continue on and, and make an impact that he did was because of people like the Philippian church who supported him through thick and thin. And so I believe as, as a church, as First Church, we're called to do the same as well. We're called to support ministry both here locally and abroad um, and do it so that, so that God's kingdom and his gospel is being preached. Um, let's go to him in prayer now and, and pray that that would be the case here. Father, thank you for... Thank you for these words that Paul wrote to the Philippian church and, and not only what they meant for them, but what they continue to mean for us today. Lord, I pray that you would um, help us to have a joy that goes beyond our circumstances, a joy that's rooted in, in, in the gospel and rooted in ministry and advancing your kingdom. Lord, help us to, to prayerfully support each other in ministry and help us to, to do what we can to advance your kingdom here in this place. In Christ we pray. Amen. I invite you now to stand and in closing, sing number 382, Be Thou My Vision.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.